When the moon hangs high in the midnight sky Like a cat's claw scratching down And the wolves, they do howl, snarl, snap and growl The mad cat has come to town He trundles out of the dark looking for a lark As he spies you, he cackles with glee For when he is done and his tails are spun You'll regret being invited to tea <laughs> Good evening, my creepy kitties. It is I, your host, the Mad Catter, here to bring you another episode of Twisted Tea Time. Finally. I know, I know, I've been absent for a long time. But here I am, back and more handsome and distinguished than ever. I even have some classy gray in my whiskers. God's above and fallen below, has it really been that long? Sheesh. Anyway, I'm back, and I have a number of exciting projects underway. I'll be working on a fully realized series of stories some of you might recognize from the annals of Reddit's horror fiction history, complete with the full blessings of the author himself to narrate and produce them. That's going to be a secret just to fill you all to the brim with anticipation. So, I shall dive right into matters. After all, that's what you came here for, and we'll shoot the breeze towards the end of the show. For tonight, I have a double feature. Two tales by one author, Tunguskan Fiend. You recall Schrodinger's cat? A particularly disturbing theory, wherein there is a cat in a box. A normally happy thing, except this box is closed, and one cannot determine whether the cat is alive or dead until the cat is observed. This goes into egghead, scientific quantum physics, and all that nonsense, a topic of which I actually love maybe cannot understand fully, uh, and will not dive deeper into right now. Well, what if inanimate objects began to become aware when not observed? What if the longer they were left unobserved, the more aware they became? Well, with that in mind, Dear listeners, I give you Object in Stagnation Consciousness by Tungaskin Fiend. On July 19th, 2005, an article was uploaded to Wikipedia concerning a scientific discovery made in the mid-90s. It was removed 12 minutes later, and all traces of it were wiped from Wikipedia servers soon after. Only a part of the article remains, and it is unknown if the missing parts will ever see the light of day again. The specific discovery is untraceable anywhere else, and the snippet that was taken from the initial article is the only evidence of its entire existence. 
Wikipedia has consistently denied the article's existence in spite of the archive, since they were first asked about it around 2008. Full archive is found right below this text. Object in Stagnation Consciousness, OSC, is a phenomenon discovered by doctors David Astley and Julia Ninkovic at a Roman Phillips University campus in Bronk, Pennsylvania. It concerns how everyday objects will show signs of brain activity when left motionless and completely alone for an extended period of time that will cease if looked or disturbed upon by a foreign force. In some cases, if a specific object were to be left alone long enough, it will start to show abnormal physical and qualitative effects. These effects are sometimes unable to be ceased. During an experiment on December 19, 1994, concerning how different people differentiate between tastes when blind juxtaposed to when they can see, a participant noted that during a blind test she felt something was looking at her, right in front of her. After a couple impromptu trials with subjects from the previous experiment created the same results, although the feeling occurred at different intervals, Astley and Ninkovic set up a small experiment where they fitted electronic equipment designed to measure brainwaves to a Granny Smith apple. After approximately 4 minutes and 27 seconds, the apple displayed minute electronic waves that steadily increased until they resembled those of a newborn grey rat at approximately 11 minutes and 19 seconds. As soon as Ninkovic looked at the apple directly, the waves stopped. This experiment was replicated multiple times from February 1995 to August of that same year, using different objects ranging from a baseball cap to a Rubik's Cube to an empty water bottle. They all displayed small electrical waves that gradually grew in strength, along with a similar disappearance as soon as someone directly looked at the object. A notable experiment involved an uncooked rack of pork ribs displaying waves reminiscent of a four-month-old human child at its peak. When cooked, no waves were measured when left alone for the same amount of time as the uncooked steak. More experiments were conducted on October 4, 1995, now using plants and a wired microphone in the testing room. A windowless soundproof chamber with a small table in the center, a small cherry tree, oak sapling, and miniature pumpkin were each individually tested and reached their peak electrical signals at around 35 minutes and 16 seconds, each displaying waves similar to an adult dog. Each was left alone for nine full hours and achieved dramatically different results. The oak sapling's waves faltered over time, and when the nine hours were up, the waves were measured at approximately 86% less strength than the peak measurement. The microphone rigs picked up nothing of note, and the sapling was returned to where it was originally planted, although its further growth was measured by the professors. The sapling's further growth was measured to be about 8% faster than other samples of its genus. Whether the testing enhanced its growing ability, or if it was just more favorable genetics, is unclear. 
the cherry tree's waves plateaued, and when inspected, seemingly had stiffer, firmer branches than before. The microphone rigged in the test chamber had not picked up any sound besides the tree's branches rustling, despite the absence of wind in the room. Interestingly, when the cherries from the tested plant were eaten afterwards by an unnamed subject, they remarked that they were the best cherries they had ever eaten. This was followed by them falling dangerously ill and nearly becoming brain-dead. Fortunately, this outcome was avoided, and they made a full recovery, although the subject sued Roman Phillips University and the two doctors afterwards for reckless endangerment. All parties achieved an undisclosed settlement on November 27, 1996. The pumpkin's waves also stayed steady, although the microphone picked up small disturbances. Around four hours into the experiment, small murmuring was heard, which turned into unintelligible grumbles at around the sixth hour mark. At the eighth hour mark, a sound consistent with the noise a rolling pumpkin makes was heard, followed by a thump and a loud screech. When the scientists finished the experiment, they found the pumpkin laying on the ground next to the table with a black and purple bruise where it had landed from its fall. According to Astley's journal, which was confiscated by the FBI after a later incident, he had taken the pumpkin to his home to carve as a Halloween decoration. As he was cutting into the pumpkin to remove its insides, he kept hearing this quiet whine coming from somewhere in his hands. The pumpkin was promptly thrown away, and the experiments at the college were discontinued. Seven years later, in early 2002, Dr. Ninkovic sought to continue the experiments. Unsatisfied by the early end to what could become a groundbreaking discovery, she started setting up a project, first using her own funds, then money from local investors, before securing a large sum from an interested Chinese company that had heard about her work. Using the newfound money, she bought the test chamber and most of the old equipment used in the experiments at the Roman Phillips University. She then secured a cadaver through questionable legality, and rushed to complete the first experiment, measuring the cadaver's brainwaves, and leaving it alone for an entire 24 hours. Small blips of waves were measured in the first eight hours, before they spiked to full human waves at hour 19, and the cadaver arose, breaking down the door to the test chamber, and then vis- there is no record of David Astley, Julia Ninkovic, or Roman Phillips University on any registry of doctors nor university professionals, let alone universities in the case of RPU for that matter. It is unknown why the article was taken down so quickly or why nobody mentioned in the article is shown to have existed. The only obvious and clear thing is that whoever took it down wanted a full, thorough job. And if they wanted it so squeaky, shiny, clean, there has to be some truth to this. There is a reason dead bodies are either buried or cremated, after all. Have you ever heard a pumpkin scream? Ugh. Poor old Jack. Whatever will they tell his partner and their young little gourd? 
Pirates. Now, <laughs> uh, our next yarn is a particularly dark tale. One involving a father filled with righteous fury, for he has captured and bound the one responsible for the violation and murder of his son. Fair warning to you viewers, this tale touches on dark and violent subject matter. If that is too much for you, then I'll bid you adieu and see you next episode. If not, then I invite you to witness... Justice in Pain by Tungaskin Fiend He is so sorry. So, so, so very sorry. But there may be nothing he can do now. The child is laid bare to rest and the father is left alone to grieve. It is his fault and he knows it. But that does not stop the tears. He gave the molester a pathway, a means to the end of his son and the beginning of their pleasure. If only he could have seen the signs. The molester is a murderer, a beast of the most devilish sort. He must be eliminated and put away for his crimes, the father reasons. And so he finds him, binds him, gags him so that his screams may stay silent. And then he works. His tools are all there and are happy to assist him. He takes the bolt cutters first, removing the perp's sock so that a foot may be exposed. And then he sandwiches the toe in between the blades. A clench, a pop, a muffled scream. The same sequence repeats, and repeats, and repeats. They will never walk the same again. Reaching out, a cleaver is taken in his right hand. He grabs the molester's left. Their head shakes vigorously, his nods confirmingly. A couple teasing, grazing slices on the junction where the forearm and bicep connect. Tendrils of blood. He stares at the cuts in anticipation. The blade is risen and strikes down and down again. Blood is further leaking out onto the concrete floor as the blade is shakily risen once more and falls hard. A 
severed half of the arm flops onto the ground and twitches violently before ceasing movement. Ten or so painkillers are taken. The coup de grace awaits. A box cutter lies in his right hand, trying to ease the blade as it's raised to their throat. It shakes and shakes. He kills the jitters and thinks on his actions for a second. Will this bring him back? Is this right? What about the others? They stare ahead. He does too. Their eyes do not meet, but are fixed on the same thing. Let it end, please. This is too much for us to bear. He plunges the blade into his throat and doesn't slice, but carves. Deep slicing as the box cutter is forcefully dragged into and across his throat. He feels his life leave and grow weaker by the second. His skin part and sever and ooze blood from the gaping fatal wound. He can pinpoint the exact moment he slices through his vocal cords. The deep slit is done, and he falls onto the floor dead and happy. Justice for his son has been served. If only he had killed that side of himself in time. If only. He is so sorry. So incredibly sorry. Well, that was a particularly sobering and sordid story. If you ask me, he should have held out longer. But self-application of a tourniquet is a rather difficult task, I imagine. Ah, well. He did the world a service, albeit a bit too late. Well, my creepy kitties. Here's what's in store for the future of Twisted Tea Time. I'm slowly working on a second podcast... One full of science fiction horror. We'll see how that goes, but I want to get this one up off the ground before, uh, before I work on and dive into a new project. I'm also working on a project in Twisted Deep Time uh, that I was briefly considering for the other podcast, but I feel it'll have its home uh, here and find it a bit more welcoming. I'm working on finding narrators and voice actors for the piece. Um, limited cast, since each story is narrated by the subject of that story. 
Um, alas, until I start making more money from this, I need to find those willing to work for free. Uh, it's for exposure! God, I feel dirty saying that. No, it's not for exposure. It's because I cannot pay. Uh, when I can pay, I will pay. But until then, I can't pay. So there we go. Yay. Speaking of money, I'll be revamping my Patreon here pretty soon. But do understand that if you sign up there, I'm not planning on putting any content beyond maybe early access podcast episodes, uh, probably like a week in advance. I'm going to be working on next week's podcast tomorrow, and I'll probably post that to the Patreon. Well, I'll post that to the podcast tomorrow as well, because I need more episodes up before I go to Crypticon. Oh, yes, Crypticon. We'll touch on that in a moment. Anyhow, I'll also be, I'm also uh, beginning to stream a bit more on Twitch. Uh, maybe YouTube, but we'll see how that goes. So if you want to see me play games, work on uh, narrations and editing, or to just hang out, you can always find me, uh, well not always, just whenever I'm streaming, you can find me at twitch.tv forward slash one mad That's numeric one. Um, I also have a uh, co.fi, uh, it's forward slash the mad catter, I believe. Let me double check this, otherwise I'm going to regret this. Yes, forward slash the mad catter. If you want to just throw some money at me to help me out. Uh, what can I say? I'm a creative trying to get away from the rat race, so yes, I'm going to beg for money. Um, also, for those of you in the Pacific Northwest... I'll have a booth at Crypticon 2023 that starts next month. I want to say that is Friday the 19th. Let me take a quick look at my calendar. Yes, Friday the 19th through the 21st. So, if you find yourselves in the area and uh, you can find my booth, it is the Big Dark Tent where I have a delightful friend selling a bunch of harnesses and I will be spinning my yarns and selling what little merch I have left. Um, so yes, uh, come over, say hello, and maybe we can uh, share a yarn and have some tea. Well, I believe that about covers it, my creepy kitties. So in closing, alas, my friends, my stories are done. I am afraid my departure has come. But don't you fret. I'm glad we've met. You know our fun has just begun. Good night, my creepy kitties. And of course, pleasant dreams. <laughs> Ha 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 